Hello everyone. Welcome to Subject to Interpretation. This is Gabby, your host, and today I am wishing you a super duper happy, fantastic, safe, sanitary, coronavirus-free Friday. (laughs) I hope that you're doing well. I know times have been really hard, especially for interpreters, especially for any companies, anyone working. It's definitely uh, been quite a trip, so I want to tell you guys, continue to stay strong and Delamore is here for you and we are just so thankful to you for um you know tuning in and listening to this episode today um you know regardless of everything going on around you so thank you again and i hope that today's episode gives you a little bit of inspiration um we have sue leshin as a guest she is a uk interpreter and translator but on top of that she's also a business guru she is really excellent when it comes to talking about freelance interpreting, being your own boss, developing your own business, and, you know, all the little bits and pieces that come with running your own business, like taxes and all the nitty gritty. And she's taught for us in the past. She um, has a webinar series that's actually coming up soon. It begins on May 23rd. It's called The Professional Interpreter. And she's going to be talking about a lot of freelancing tips, a lot of business tips, a lot of business, personal finance, all sorts of managing yourself and your business. It's going to be really interesting. So I definitely encourage you to sign up for that. The links for that are in the description, as well as the links to our upcoming immigration and community interpreting course, which is um, supposed to begin soon. The last day to sign up is March 23rd. So that is literally in three days (laughs) on Monday. So the link for that is in the description as well, and that'll prepare you to um, interpret in community and immigration settings. It'll teach you the protocol, the terminology, the ethical standards, and everything you'll need to know to get started in the field. So without any further ado, I want to go ahead and um, start this interview with Sue. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get inspired, and I wish you all a happy, healthy Friday. Thank you so much for listening. everybody and welcome to Subject to Interpretation. My name is Gabby and I'm your host and today we're taking another look around the world. Um, We have a special guest who resides in Manchester and the UK and her name is Sue Lechen. Um, Beyond being a Delamora instructor, she is also what we call a lawyer linguist as well as the founder of Advocate Legal and Business French Interpreting and Legal and Translation Services. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and let Sue tell us a little bit more about herself. So welcome to the show, Sue. Thank you very much, Gabriella. And it's great to talk to you um, across the waves, as it were. Um, yeah, likewise. Yeah, thank you. Um, m- the name of my company is actually Avocat. Um, Avocat. Yes. Um, if any of you out there are French speakers, think of lawyer in French, Avocat. Um, A-V-O-C-A-T and because I'm female I've added an E on the end and the reason that I chose Avocat as the name of my company is because my background is that I'm a lawyer qualified in the UK and when I decided to set up this company um, dealing with legal and commercial French interpreting and translation, I wanted an appropriate name, and that was the one that came to mind. And also, 
because it starts with an A, obviously, um, I thought it was a good idea because I had been told by an experienced colleague that it's a good idea when you've got a company to have a company starting with either A, B, C or D because really? that way you're going to, yeah, I didn't know that. It doesn't really matter if you're a plumber or you're an interpreter or a doctor or whatever, <laughs> just have the name of your company starting with one of those letters because that way you're at the top of any directory or registry. And apparently a lot of research has been done on consumers looking for services, whether they're looking for central heating or gardening or translating uh, or interpreting. And they do tend to start at the top of the register, apparently, or the list. That is so interesting. That's a good point to make yourself um, easily available. Yeah. Fact. That's interesting. And then so tell us about, I, I understand that you're also an interpreter. So from mm. lawyer, you went to interpreter? Yeah, it, it wasn't actually planned. Um, what happened was I'd initially worked as a lawyer in private practice in the UK and I'd specialised really in family law, which I did for several years until I sort of felt very much the need for a change, you know, because it got to the point where I could virtually write the script of what the client was going to, to say, you know, oh, I, was I, hate him or I hate her, I want to divorce, you know, I'm, I'm coming in on no. Monday, you know, to end it all with, with this marriage or whatever. And, um, I also was getting a little bit fed up of the very long hours culture, which is involved um, in private practice as a lawyer in the UK. You basically don't have a life other than going to work. And colleagues who were lawyers in local government um, were saying to me, oh, why don't you try and get a job in, in local government? Um, and you will find that it's much easier. It's not so well paid, but uh, money, of course, isn't everything. Uh, but you will get much less hours. Uh, you get what we call flexi days here in the UK, which means that if you um, clock up enough hours, you know, you can basically get days off in mm -hmm. lieu. So it all sounded quite attractive to me and a really good idea. And so I thought I'll give it a change and a tryout, and I did, and absolutely hated it from day one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very bad career mistake because when I got there, I found out it was all open plan um, in the office. There was no peace. There was no secretarial support. It was do you know DIY everything, do it yourself. And the only good thing that I'm forever grateful for was the fact that a um, couple of floors down was this huge translation department. And somehow or other, and I don't even know to this day how or why, somebody there found out that I am fluent in French and contacted me and started saying to me, oh, can you just translate this contract? can you go to court for us on your flexi day off um, wow. to interpret? And so that's how it started really. And then from the minute I started doing that, I was completely sold. This is wonderful. I can use my language and my legal skills together. Um, I'm getting out, I'm meeting people from all over the world. Um, 
you know, this is, this is absolutely what I want to do. So really to cut long story short, I then went ahead and found out how to qualify as an interpreter. In the UK, we have different types of interpreters. Um, we call them either public service interpreters, which is the qualification that, that I went to uh, access, which means that you can interpret in law, local government, you know, local government administration or health or any of those combinations if you want. So there, are there like different levels of interpreters that, um, that you can become? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I really opted for the public service um, in the courts and police stations and prisons, mm -hmm. that kind of area, because that was my background, you see. I wasn't interested in health at all. Um, I did, when I first got qualified, do a little bit of health interpreting in hospitals, but absolutely decided on day two it wasn't for me not interested at all so yeah I stuck with public service interpreting but um, I do have some colleagues who are what you call conference interpreters um, who've got qualifications in that area you know they go and interpret in in big conferences all over the world I interpret in business meetings as well as in the public service um, say if a company's having a board meeting or a committee meeting or some or a training session something like that I interpret in that area as well which is it you know it's really nice to complement the public service interpreting because it as you can imagine it's a completely different world mm -hmm. yeah it sounds like a different world so that's a really nice journey so you went from being a lawyer and then carrying that knowledge from being a lawyer to finding a more fulfilling job where you get to help people and um you know, become, do something that you really enjoy and get a little bit more freedom in that as well. So yes, really I mean, it, it, it was quite a big um, change for me because obviously I moved um, from being employed and getting a regular, fairly good salary, if you like, on the 15th of the month to mm -hmm. becoming a freelancer, to becoming self-employed, which meant obviously that I had to be responsible for myself. Um, I am my own boss. I have to make enough money myself to pay all my bills, to do the things that I want to do, um, mm. to travel, you know, if I want to travel, which I do, <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to, to see bits and pieces of the world and whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not coming to me in a brown envelope or in a bank transfer payment. Uh, well, it will do, but only if I actually make enough money myself. And I remember when I first became a freelance interpreter and translator, I thought the first couple of days, hey, this is great. You know, I don't have to go to the office anymore, to that horrible office and meet mm -hmm. some people you know I can just stay at home and you know I can go out at lunchtime and look around the shops or whatever go and see a friend and within about three days I realized uh -uh, I can't do that because I'm not going to make any money going to see my friends or going to right. the shops <laughs> so it dawned on me pretty quickly um hang on I've got to be really disciplined here and, and that lesson really has stuck with me now. 
and whilst I am very flexible you know if I want to spend an extra day when I've been to see friends at the weekend you know I perhaps want to spend the Monday with them as well I will do but in order to do that I have got to be very prepared the week before to take that Monday off mm -hmm. you know because it, it's like I'm the boss but I'm the employee as well I've got to to make sure that all the work from the week before is covered, everything for the coming week is covered as well. Mm -hmm. You know, because because if it's not, I'm not going to succeed. I'm I'm gonna lose clients. Right. A lot of the time when people go into their uh, new freelance careers, they mm. think, you know, oh, this is going to be so easy and I can just spend oh, all day at the beach. <laughs> yeah. Well, we unfortunately, we don't have a beach here in Manchester. We're, you know, <laughs> we're quite a long way from the sea, unfortunately. Right. I, I absolutely love the sea, um, but um, which is why I go back to Brittany a lot, you know, and um, I'm hoping to go actually for two weeks at Easter. And I've just been invited to speak in Brittany at... Uh, Brest University uh, which is in the northwest of Brittany and I've been asked to speak at their international week at their Fête Internationale mm -hmm. or the Semaine Internationale the international week and they've actually asked me to speak um, to the uh, business students mm -hmm. there about the effects of Brexit um, in the UK what, what's it done for the UK so um, wow. you have to think very fast of the advantages, if there are any, and also the disadvantages of Brexit. But as we all know, right now we've got huge problems, haven't we, with coronavirus and travel. Um, one of the legs of my journey was with an airline called Flybe, one of the budget airlines, and they've just collapsed. Oh, so wow. Part of my time tomorrow morning is going to be spending a lot of time um, working out the logistics of trying to get first to Charles de Gaulle in Paris uh, and then picking up an Air France flight from there to get to Brest in Brittany. So you know really when you're a freelance interpreter and translator it's not all about just going out and interpreting or you know, alternatively sitting in your office translating happily in front of your screen. There is a lot of admin type work as well. Um, I travel quite a lot to conferences and to business meetings and so on. And I am forever booking trains, aeroplanes, hotels, uh, working out where is near to where, you know. Uh, yeah. Deal is can I get a better deal, etc., etc. That you have to be really a business person as well as an interpreter and/or translator. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that um, goes into it. A lot of thinking about it because, like yeah. you said, you are the employee doing the work. You are the talent, but you're also the person in charge of the talent. Yes. Yes, I mean, it's certainly very true that um, you're the front for your company, um, but you're also the, the back room, if you like, as well. Um, mm -hmm. To make that front flow and be attractive to potential clients uh, or actual clients, if you're already booked, you've got to be very organized in the background to come over 
as professional and efficient and good at what you do when you're actually there. Yeah. And that actually, um, now that we're on the topic, I know that uh, you have instructed for us in the past. And yes. then um, could you tell us a little bit about some of the learning objectives and goals for your upcoming? I know you have a professional interpreter webinar series um, beginning on May 23rd. Yes, we're um, running a series, as you say, um, which is going to be in two parts. Um, Yes, you're quite right. We start on Saturday the 23rd, the first part, and then the second one is the Saturday the 30th. That's right. And though that little series there um, is for experienced um, interpreters who want to kind of brush up um, and polish their, their existing businesses, if you like, but also for new um, interpreters just starting out going around the block if you like um, also for anybody who's thinking possibly of setting up an interpreting business and in this series I will be really covering virtually everything under the sun in the time available about how to set up um, you know lots and lots of issues around do I need a website should I get um, a professional website that I've paid for? Uh, can I design my own? Uh, do I absolutely need an accountant or can I do my own accounts? Uh, should I collab collaborate with a colleague? Who can I trust? You know, what sort of professional organization should I join? Um, lots and lots of issues like that. And my intention really is to make the series, the two-part series, as interactional as possible um, so that you in the audience can ask me all the kind of questions that you've really wanted to ask um, and, and find out answers to. All businesses are different, but, you know, there are a lot of common themes, like I've mentioned, you know, accounts, websites, uh, certainly marketing, um, business cards, you know, these sort of issues are common to all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand from a lot of, uh, and my own experiences as well, you know, when you think about starting a business, um, there are a lot of questions come up of things that you haven't even really thought about before, mm. um, you know, such as the accounting, such as uh, the marketing, do I need a website? So I think yes. those will be really good. Yes, I mean, you know, certainly when I started out um, and, and given that, you know, I had a legal background and I had worked in business, even I was surprised, um, and I'll be really honest with you, Gabriella, quite shocked as to the amount of uh, admin and paperwork involved in running a business. Mm -hmm. You know, if I go out on an interpreting trip, I'm going to have receipts um, for trains or buses or petrol receipts for what we call subsistence, any refreshments, any meals that I've had when I've been away maybe a hotel receipt or two. And as soon as I get back, um, either that later that day or perhaps the next day, I'm back in my office immediately entering those details into my accounts. I know mm -hmm. some colleagues will just throw receipts into a carrier bag. Um, I know this happens, but that's not a great idea because by the time the end of the financial year comes, you need to be really organized in terms of 
submitting your financial details, you know, to the tax authorities. So I am basically trying to remain organized all year round and, yeah. and certainly it pays. I mean, even things like um, I have a case packed in my guest room uh, and it's permanently packed so that if I suddenly get a call or oh, can I go to London or even, you know, even over to France, um, maybe to do an interpreting job, I can go because in that case, you know, I've got a change of clothes, I've got nightwear, um, I've got, you know, uh, shoe polish, uh, whatever, already there. I can get You're up prepared. <laughs> I have to be, I have to be because otherwise it, it just doesn't work. Right. Right. You no. Know, it sounds like I'm misefficient, you know. <laughs> one of those awful people you think, oh gosh, you know, how, how can they be so absolutely organized, you know, it, you know, a bit frightening really, but I, I'm not, you know, I'm not by nature, I suppose. It's it's a way of being that I've I've learned to adopt uh, to make my business work like forming new habits. And yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of areas like in life in general that um, you kind of have to learn new habits in order for um, the business to work. Yes, 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 definitely. But, you know, obviously I take into account that not all colleagues have a business background or, or indeed a legal background. And that's why this sort of series, um, the professionalization series is, is going to be really useful because that's how you find out the answers to all your questions or as many as possible with you know that we can fit in in the um in the two um parts mm -hmm. yeah and I, I think that's definitely a great service you're doing because a lot of freelancers or new freelancers are uh, i'm sure full of questions so again i'm just i'm glad that you're going with that i i think i can definitely even benefit as well like i'll definitely be attending <laughs> <laughs> oh that's really good yeah i mean um, you know i think a lot of the the subject matter and the questions that are going to come up um are, are pretty relevant really to all uh, freelancers you know all entrepreneurs mm -hmm. you know they're not just relevant to us and then I wanted to go a little, um, backtrack a little bit. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about Advocate and um, maybe like your story with it and what were some of the struggles that you had with it and some of the biggest successes and biggest hardships. Mm. I think um, when I first set up, I probably like a lot of colleagues was a little bit naive, as I mentioned, about um, being freelance and having all this free time and, you know, realizing um, fairly quickly, actually, that, you know, for money to come in, I needed to bring it in. I couldn't sit in a coffee shop all, all afternoon. I could go for like, like I still do, you know, I go lunchtimes just to get out of the office if I'm working from my home office. Um, but I really can't afford to sit there all day. So that, that mm -hmm. became pretty, pretty obvious very quickly that I, if I want free time, I have to work for it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But also one of the things that I've really enjoyed about becoming a freelancer is the flexibility. Um, you know, like the, the example I mentioned about going to see friends for the weekend and, um, you know, adding on a Monday or a Friday because I can, you know, if I don't want to work tomorrow morning, I don't have to, for example. 
Um, mm. But if that's the case, I would probably work later tonight to compensate for that. Um, I yeah. certainly don't particularly like all the paperwork involved, as I but then that's, you know, one of the disadvantages, I suppose, of being a freelance business owner, because at the end of the day, um, unless you've got staff, you are on your lonesome doing all the, the admin as well as the front of house, you know, interpreting and translating. But what I really, really love about being an interpreter, particularly, is getting out and about. And, um, you know, for example, last week I was interpreting at an inquest, would you believe? Which was, which was pretty emotional, um, interpreting um, about the death of a, a young girl. And I'd never actually had to interpret anything like that in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that came with a lot of emotion involved you know on behalf of the the dead girls um family um then i spent the weekend in london at an interpreters conference um it was actually the conference of the chartered institute of linguists which is a national interpreting and translation and linguist general linguists um professional membership organization in in london and we had two solid days of total um passion of you know in talks on running a business as an interpreter we had a talk from a, a charity called translators without borders um which is pretty well known all over the world about you know translating to do to help people suffering in the various parts of the world with the ebola crisis um mm -hmm. we had somebody else coming to talk to us about interpreting for the Tokyo Olympics, you know, wow. it, it was just really, really, oh, uh, just immen immensely varied. And um, soon I might be going to the BP20 conference. Um, it's just called BP, which means Best Practice uh, Conference in Nuremberg. You can look it up on your websites um, to, to present uh, there. Um, so, you know, again, I'll meet lots of colleagues from all over the world. And in most walks of life, your colleagues are just people in the office, aren't they? You know, that you work with every day, nine to five. My colleagues can be in Nuremberg. They can be here in Manchester. They can, a lot of them, obviously, because my language is French. A lot of them are over in France, or particularly Brittany. Um, you know, it's, to me, it's kind of, I, I'm such a European, you know, it, it's not, <laughs> but so are all my colleagues because, you know, we're constantly in communication with most parts of Europe most of the time, you know, um, and that's quite normal to us. And um, I think other people don't realise, you know, that that, that is our normal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and just it's wonderful to be to be working in an area that you find inspiring, intellectually satisfying, with some really interesting colleagues and some really interesting clients. I mean, I, I interpret for a lot of uh, French-speaking asylum seekers and refugees, for example, um, as much as I might interpret for uh, directors of French businesses. You know, so my client base is very, very varied as well which makes life interesting and i just feel so sorry for people 
who are employed in the same old job, you know, from when they're about 19 to when they're about 60 something, who hate it, uh, who watch the clock every 10 minutes. Um, I know lots of colleagues like that. I've got friends who do that, you know, and I am never ever, and I'm telling you the absolute truth, Gabriella, I am never ever bored. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. I mean, this kind of transition from office job to having that kind of freedom and having a job that is something you care about, something you're passionate about, and yeah. just gives you new experiences. Because I feel like there's never a dull moment when you're doing the kinds of things you're doing. Oh, never. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and you know quite honestly what's really nice about being a freelancer is if you come across a piece of work that maybe isn't as interesting as others or is not attractive to you because it's you know perhaps a huge long translation 200 pages you don't want to touch it you don't have to um, maybe you, you work with clients who give you grief and I mean there are um, you know um, clients who aren't always easy to work with I'm the first to say that you know they're maybe they're too demanding maybe they're rude to you uh, maybe they keep wanting you to cut your fees or whatever um, they haven't quite told you the whole story about the job or something and then you turn up and it's not quite what they told you it would be this sort of thing um, you know frankly you don't have to work with them again you know you you just um, next time they ring or email you, just find out. You know you're too busy. You know yeah, you don't have, have that option. Whatever you just, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm I'm too busy, and eventually <laughs> they kind of get the message that you're always. <laughs> so because you know my old boss where I used to work always said there's more ways of skinning the cat than one, and that's very true. It's about the only good thing he ever said, but it's it's really true. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, that's really great. So I, I think that um, that pretty much covers um, a lot so far. And I think I want to invite you back in the future, obviously, to talk a, a little bit more about advocates. I want to find out more about that. Oh, there great. Yeah. Things. yeah no, no, really I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, I can talk um, about avocats uh, till the cows come home. <laughs> <laughs> that would well, be really good. Yeah, because I could I could sort of talk about how I set it up and um you know the the good things the bad things the things i hadn't thought of in advance the things that came naturally to me because of my business background that sort of thing yeah that'd be really good yeah i'll reach out to you because we want to hear the whole story absolutely i think it's really fascinating and uh, really it'll be really helpful you know to hear your experiences your personal experiences that, that would be really good because I have to say um, these days there is a, a big recognition in our line of work as interpreters and translators about the use of mentors, um, more experienced people to, to turn to, to help along the way. And I do a lot of mentoring um, in the UK and it's a very, very good service. And I didn't have it when I started out. It really, you know, wasn't a big thing. Nobody really kind of put it together but certainly in the UK it's really big now yeah that's, that's what it seems like and we're, we're trying to get there you know interpreter training has come a really long way <laughs> yeah I think it has I think it has yeah 
which is great. <laughs> it is. It's wonderful. And um, yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to your webinar. I'm looking forward to having you back um, because yes, we absolutely need more mentors in the world. And I know our listeners, they absolutely are looking for that kind of guidance as they enter this big, you know, scary new step. Yeah, in their life. It, it is scary. I mean, I can remember when I decided to leave my employed job that that's absolutely the word um scary i can remember going and sitting in a cafe um a coffee shop i spend a lot of my life in coffee shops as you can imagine <laughs> one way or another and just sitting there thinking do i dare do this i'm leaving a secure job with a pretty good salary and i'm going into the unknown and i actually prepared a speech for my husband for when i got back from, from wow. town to, to, to sort of tell him all the wonderful advantages of becoming self-employed, you know. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to tell him the disadvantages as I could think of them then. Um, and as soon as I got back and said, I want to leave my job, I hate it, you know, I want to become self-employed. And he just said straight away, that's it, you don't need to say anymore, I want you to leave it. Oh, I'm perfect. Something that you really, really love that you are interested in because... You know, he said, I'm sick of you on Friday, uh, not Friday nights, you're so happy at the end of the week, but um, you're so depressed every Sunday, you're worried about Monday, you don't want to go to work. And he said, I don't want to see you like that. So this great long speech of about five pages that I'd prepared. Pages. <laughs> I didn't even have to, to mention it. You know, he was just saying, no, go ahead. You go oh. in, morning, give your notice in and, and do it. And so That's amazing. How supportive. Yeah. And yeah. from there, it just became what you are today. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us, Sue. And I, like I said, I look forward to the next time we speak. And um, for now, I'm going to go ahead and let you go because I know I got you on, um, <laughs> I got you a little over time. But again, thank you so much. This is very informative and um, I definitely look forward to hearing more about your story in the future episodes. Yes, well, just um, get, get in touch with me um, when, whenever, um, Gabriella, and we'll, we'll arrange a date for a, a part two. <laughs> and Perfect. thank you very much for all your really um, interesting questions too. Of course. All right, we'll talk soon. We'll be in touch. Lovely. Take care, Gabriella. Thank you. you Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everybody.